Welcome to another edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, exclusive home of Cubs checking, featuring free ATMs nationwide. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. I'm Andy Martinez, joined by Lance Brozdowski out in sunny Mesa, Arizona. Uh, Lance, I gotta ask, I'm kind of jealous. What's, what's it like out there? Oh, it's been fantastic, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just telling you off air, like I haven't been to a baseball field in a really long time. I haven't seen like live hitting you know, I just videos. I've been siloed to videos all winter in the in the tundra of Chicago. Um, so it's been great to get out here and just see. I mean, see so many guys in the Cubs system that I've heard about that I haven't really seen actually on a field. Um, and taking you know high velo machine work, high velo infield, like just getting looks at these guys has been invaluable. Just to kind of put in your head and get a, a general frame of reference around where they are developmentally and stuff. It's been exceptional. One of those guys. I mean, you have seen him, um, Caleb Killian. You know, very yeah. well, very well, or I don't know if he's well known yet. And if he isn't, you know, I guess it depends what your level of Cub fandom is because um, he's becoming very, very well known um, and, and will be as he continues to rise up the system. Uh, what have you seen? You know, you saw him in Tennessee last year. What have you seen now um, as he, you know, makes his full, starts his first full season in, in Cubs camp? Yeah, I think the first thing on uh, appearance, which is something that definitely I was running through with a lot of these guys, is that he is larger. He's like muscular. He leaned out. I think he's the same weight, but he said he cut body fat added muscle. So I think the joke around here is that they call him like Captain America because he wears like these really tight, uh, like Under Armour long sleeve performance shirts. And like his biceps, he's just like chiseled. His like upper body, he's like a V shape. He's like that V shaped paper. Um, so that's the first thing that jumps out to him compared to what I saw him in Tennessee. Um, you know, he's still primarily cutter sinker uh, to righties, and then he mixes in the fourth team when he goes to a lefty. Um, I don't – I like the curveball is an interesting pitch. I, don't, I, I think a lot of people say that's maybe a larger part of his offering than I even think maybe he thinks it is. But he really works off that cutter. That cutter sinker to righties is huge. Um, mixes in a little bit of like a – I think a different version of the cutter. has a little more lateral break sweep against the lefty. And then the pitch that he said he's been working on, which I feel like everyone is always working on, is a changeup. Um, he's flipped the grip again on it. He used to be – kind of like the Vulcan where you're wedging it between your, your index and your middle finger. And now he's just back to like a two seam orientation to try to get it to work off the sinker a little bit better. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a great dude. Like he's cool. He obviously came from the San Francisco giants organization along with Alexander Canario in the, uh, in the Chris Bryant trade. Um, so he's just a great guy. Like he's chiseled. Um, I think he's going to fly through the system. He's in double a, I don't see any reason why he didn't start a triple a. Um, I guess there's a potential for maybe like some kind of late September call up in some capacity, but He's, he's a great guy, and uh, I really like the cutter sinker on him. I think that's kind of the, the key to his repertoire, especially versus lefties. So he's going to give him a lot of trouble. You, you, you touched on some of the work he, that, you know, he's been changing with the grips and everything. What are you, talking to him, what are his goals and what are realistic expectations for him? You know, you mentioned, you know, potentially coming up in, in September, but um, what do you, where do you see, you know, his 2022 kind of looking like? Yeah, I think that it's – I would say it starts with AAA. I don't really see too much need for it to keep him in AA, especially with how well he pitched in the AFL, um, where in the AFL last year, the pitching was very poor, aside from Caleb Killian. Um, and the hitting was, I think, relatively good. So you saw a lot of guys like Nelson Velasquez, I think it comes to some really pop and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I think that the goal for him is obviously AAA, get a ton of innings, and then potentially jump up to the major league level um, at some point. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's a goal for him this year, per se, um, cause he's not 40 man. So that would create some moves, but, and, and you know, you got, you got a variety of other guys in the Cubs system. I think that could fill in that fifth starter spot potentially down the road, but, uh, but yeah, I think I, I'd imagine it's triple a, and then you see all the stuff plays and you kind of go from there. I think that's a big thing on the development side is just understanding that guys might have success at varying levels of the minor leagues. 
with stuff that maybe necessarily doesn't really play at the major league level. And from a communication standpoint on the player development side, that's a huge topic where, you know, if a guy has a lot of success, say in A-ball, but his stuff, you know, grades out, doesn't really project maybe to get major league hitters out. It's something that is probably relatively difficult to bring to the player and be like, hey, man, you're actually stuff we need to do X and Y to because we don't think it'll play at the major league level. We understand you just shoved over seven innings. Um, so that's, I think, a key is just seeing him against higher levels of competition and understanding whether they think that the success that he's getting is due to raw stuff or due to hitters at the level. Because um, I don't think a lot of people see his velocity, his command, his control um, at any level, probably below double A, um, especially with the emphasis on velocity and stuff with so many minor league pitchers. You gave, I mean, you, you mentioned the nickname he's getting of Captain America. You know, if we kind of continue yeah. with that, you know, Marvel trend, Luke Little. <laughs> I mean, you can go with like Hulk. You can go with, based on the name, you could go like Ant-Man because he's big, but he's got, you know, the Little in his name. You can pick whatever, uh, whatever name you, whatever Marvel superhero you want from him. But Luke Little is very much not Little. Um, what, what can you tell us about Luke Little for, for those who might not know anything about Luke Little? Well, he's listed at 6'8", 220. Um, he is 6'8". I don't think he's 220. They're doing physicals, I think, these last couple of weeks, of days here. Um, I imagine we'll get a new weight assessment on him, but it's not like he's, like, large in a bad sense, like, like fat. I don't want to use the term fat, but he, he's not fat at all. He's just a monstrous human being. Like, he's just huge. And the way he throws is just kind of funky. Like, he has a really weird... Like I'll get a little technical, but like a scat, he's a lefty, but it's like a scat retraction with how his arm comes back. And then he kind of just like hucks the ball right over the top. almost like a catapult of sorts. And he's got a really good hinge, which imagine like you're trying to sit into a chair with a very flat back. It's a huge motion in pitching to get uh, your, excuse me, momentum going down the mound. Um, He's just big. Like, I don't know. We were with Scotty and and, uh, Andrew Miller, one of our producers, and we were just like enamored with how large this man was. It's just, it's, it's kind of just intimidating him i feel like he creates like mini earthquakes when he walks but i'm I just i can't imagine how intimidating he is to see him in the box too as a hitter like know that he throws they can touch hundreds over 100 um and that it's that hard and that the sliders you know 90s with some break it's just he's he's one of those guys like you, you say like this is what they look like he's what they look like if you want to leverage reliever you know, that's what you should probably do on your creative player and it will be the show to come up with someone that'll be effective in the ninth. So I'm fascinated to see where he goes. Like obviously the command is something he's got to polish up. Um, maybe that's a product of trying to get the body under control a little bit more and stuff in terms of just, your, you know, his perception of his awareness and space and stuff. I'm not sure how advanced it is. Um, but I mean, the dude throws gas. It's just, it's, he's, he's definitely stood out as someone to keep an eye on down here. Well, and, and you mentioned his, his motion and, and his throwing, you know, how difficult is that for hitters, especially from the left-handed side to be, to be able to pick up, you know, you mentioned when the control comes, but, you know, just seeing that the ball come out of his hand, how, how tough is that for hitters? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think we've seen recently, you know, there's some pitches um, of major league pitchers that are kind of over the top guys. I won't really mention their names, but over the top guys where their stuff isn't necessarily good, but because they're throwing it from such a weird angle, it creates a pitch that doesn't really, that wins the eye test. It doesn't win the data test, but wins the eye test so consistently that it almost overrides the data. And I don't necessarily know if that's the case with Luke because he just throws so hard. It's going to pop well in the stuff and data side, but Mm -hmm. the added funk of him being so tilted and his arm slot being so high when he releases the ball. And again, like the deception, the intangible deception of how he kind of loads that arm back. um, It's just funky. And I, I, I just don't even know how you pick it up. I was talking to, 
Max Bain who has caught him before, just like in catch play. And he's like, I just sometimes don't see the ball. Like it just comes out weird. Um, so, I mean, that's just an added level of deception. Like you don't even need that. If you're throwing a hundred, you don't need deception for the most part. He has that. So I just, he's going to be insane. Like the K rates on him, like DJ Harris is a guy we're going to talk about in a bit, but he was posting K rates of 40% across two levels between Myrtle and South Bend last year. And I, I just imagine it was going to be in that window. Um, again, like you just got to corral the walks, but like, I just don't think there's going to be many guys who are going to be able to square him up. Yeah, you mentioned DJ Hers, um, you know, eighth, eighth round pick in, in 2019. Uh, what's, what's next for him? What, what do you see, you know, what have you seen while, you, while you've been down there from him? Yeah, today was the main day. So I caught up with him really briefly, I think Monday or Tuesday. And then uh, today we chatted and yeah, there's some changes there. I'd, I'd almost maybe argue some of the largest changes than any pitcher in the org. He added 10 pounds. So he was about 187, he told me, in year last year in season. And generally, guys kind of drop weight a little bit as the season goes on, obviously. And he's a high schooler, too. So, you know, he's obviously a guy who's probably still trying to get his body under um, control and, and diet under control and stuff. His metabolism is probably really quick at his age. But he was 187 in season last year. He's now 197. Um, he's up 10 pounds. He thinks it's good mass. It looks like good mass to me from what I remember seeing him in Myrtle to now. Um, his average fastball velo was like 92 last year. And he told me that he has a velo target of like 95, just sit 95 which is a massive, massive jump. And I think that it relates really well back to this prospect camp that the Cubs ran for four-ish months in the offseason. November, December of that was primarily strength and conditioning from what I understand. And you need like that amount of time to make body composition changes without too much of a focus on, say, the throwing side. I imagine there was some throwing integrated into it to keep guys – like the the idea of taking months off from throwing is kind of gone out of baseball. Um, Like guys throw year-round. Like all high-performing athletes generally do their – skill year round like you look at any high performing like olympic athlete so it's kind of funny that for a while in baseball we were like no just take two three months off from throwing and then expect to be you know where you were you know as the season and when you when you then jump into spring training and such but but yeah dj i mean it seems like the essence snc strength conditioning stuff for him really took off in november december for him to add that weight and to hold it into now especially when he gets back into um some on-field throwing and stuff so he's got his first live tuesday against live hitters, I believe. I don't think it'll be probably more than 15, 20 pitches, but I definitely want to check back in and see how it went. Um, he had a bullpen today we got to see, and he looked pretty good. But uh, I'm fascinated to see where that Velo is sitting in, in, his, in his bullpen, where the intensity isn't as high, so it's probably in that – it's maybe like 90%, you know? But it's just guys always say they, they just get up different. Like, they get their adrenaline up different for lives versus, like, in-game. And lives, especially facing your own hitters, like you're just not going to take it as, as an aggressive as an approach with a lot of your breaking balls too. Like guys are going to try to bust someone inside. You know, they're not going to try to bust like right. a Brendan Davis inside here. It's like you use your teammate, you know, like I, it probably is more for just working and finding Velo and such. So, so that's fascinating. Like I, if DJ is up to 95, like he probably jumps into the top 10 on the list. He's, I, I'd almost maybe argue he maybe has more upside than Killian at that point. I think Killian is just incredibly high floor because of the stuff and performance and control, but like DJ's upside, he rides it from a really low slot, so he's he kind of counteracts what you normally think one ball would look like coming out of his uh, his his lefty slot. And uh, giving him more velo is just insane. It's it's cheat code to some extent. So I, I'm going to be working on the, the prospect ranking for Marquis, and I'm and after getting that information today, like I'm really kind of torn on where to put him now because I probably had him outside top 15, but like if he's sitting 95 and he holds that in game. I don't see how he's not top 10 in the system, honestly. Um, right. So I, maybe that's a little aggressive. I'm still trying to digest it. But yeah, DJ is fun. It's really good to see that he's, he's up on weight and up on Velo. 
And, and you, you touched on something that I thought was really important. And I think sometimes get overlooked, you know, the, the weightlifting program that they had in the off season, that's crucial for, for guys, especially young guys, because in season you, you can't, you know, amass the, the muscle, right. That this, this, those months were crucial for these guys. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff doesn't occur in season pitch design stuff doesn't generally occur in season. That's why when you right. see a guy at a pitch, you know, it's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's kind of impressive. Like you see a mix changes. So like say going to more sliders versus fastballs, it's generally something you can adjust relatively easily, but like changing the shape of the pitch is like, sure. really, you just don't see it a lot. And when you do see it, it's generally because of fatigue or something or arm slot drop that's changing the pitch. So in see, like the off season is such a crucial time to change anything. You know what I mean? Change anything, whether it be something on the pitch design side or on the body composition side, it's just massive because you just, you're pitching in season. You know, you can't throw more in season. Your your main point of being a baseball player is to perform on your start day as a pitcher. So there's you're not you're not going and squatting three days, four days a week at high high weight intervals. You know, you're you're throwing and your whole body's primed to throw on those days. So yeah, it's almost like a deterioration and then a buildup in the offseason. Sure. I hope you can sustain the weight. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, like you mentioned, you don't want someone squatting max reps and then throw out trying to you know pitch seven no innings the next day just no 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 way there's success there uh yeah. another guy from that 2019 class cole franklin um first time he'll be facing you know some live hitting uh what what have you seen you know after dealing with injury what have you seen from him yeah no he's hyped like i, I just pulled him aside and chatted with him for a little bit and he was just really you could tell he was like really really excited to just do anything uh on the live side he hasn't thrown live to hitters i think in a little bit over a year from what I understand, just a laundry list of injuries last year and making sure he was right. Um, but he's a guy I think prior in 2019 was a guy again, who kind of popped a little where his velo shot up a little. He's also a high schooler. Um, so you kind of expect to see that velo jump, but when you actually get it and then you have decent secondaries off it, it becomes a lot more uh, interesting to kind of follow the, the trajectory of a prospect like that. Um, but uh, yeah, there isn't really much to say around Cole aside from the fact that like he thinks he's, healthy but that's the key thing like he was good prior to the injury so if he gets back to that point um, there's no reason to think he's not back on everybody's radar after being a guy that i know jen hoyer praised a ton um i want to say the offseason 2019 right around the darvish trade if i remember correctly it's good stuff on cole franklin lance uh we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor wintrust and then we're going to listen to an interview that you had lance with another pitching prospect jordan wicks uh right after this break At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. Let's go to your fastballs. In the past, I think you were working with a four-seam and a sinker, but you were telling me that you're kind of just four-seam now. So talk about that a lot. Really working a lot, mainly with the four-seam now, um, trying to let the life and the ride that I get on it play. Um, a little bit more than the uh, than the sinker had, um, and so right now we're working a little bit with you know where to locate the fastball, how to how to do it. Just a traditional four seam grip, um, you know, thumb underneath, fingers straight behind, and just trying to when you throw it, just imagine and I'm trying to rip down the back of that ball. I'm trying to rip the seams off the back of it, um, which I think is a lot about what gives it that good that good late life at the end. That was great stuff from from Jordan Wicks, Lance. What else can you tell us about about Jordan Wicks and what he's been what he's been up to? Yeah, he seems like he's played around with a couple things. Um, it's an odd thing when you look at like the data; it doesn't really line up with like what the player says sometimes. Like I think last year he said he was throwing a slider and a curveball, but the data actually said that the slider was more like a cutter and the curveball was more like a slider. So 
he had kind of like a tighter, a little bit tighter of a repertoire. He was also throwing too fast, so he was throwing four seam and he was throwing a sinker separately. This year, when we talked to him, which you saw in that little tease of, of the segment we're going to do that you definitely should check out on marquisportsnetwork.com and also the station itself when it airs live. Um, he told me that he's off his sinker because that was a pitch that was getting beat up the most. So he's just going purely off his four seam and that he kind of adjusted into a true curveball. So as you've heard, I think got a ton of guys in the Cubs system, they love going to a little bit of a spike grip to allow it, allow the pitch, allow the curveball to get a little more of that vertical downward action, especially if you have a fastball with a ton of that rise and carry off it, which Jordan Wicks has. So they've adjusted him or he adjusted. I wasn't exactly sure whether it was him or the organization. I imagine the organization had their hand in this um, to getting him to more of a true curveball and then changing the slider to more of a lateral pitch. So there's no more kind of weird slider cutter blend pitch that he, where he'd get behind the ball a little bit too much and it would kind of take off a little bit, which he has a tendency to do because of how much his fastball has that carry and rise. So the repertoire seems a little bit different, which I think is a good sign um, on a variety of angles. Number one, because I can't imagine what he did at Kansas State is going to work at the major league level. So going back to a point I mentioned earlier in this podcast, like you have to think about where what the guy can do to succeed at the major league level like the goal of a guy like jordan wicks is not to dominate south bend it's or even tennessee or even iowa it's to dominate the major league level so like you have to create a repertoire in the minor league such that you can then apply it to the majors and he'll be good as opposed to thinking of it from the angle of like just leave him alone like he's shoving it's like well yeah he's a d1 athlete who pitched three years at kansas state and uh oh, see the wind out here is crazy it's dropping Stop. That was a nice catch. We'll keep this going. Okay. It was a good catch. Great. I got a good hand. I'm going to play the outfield here. Um, yeah, I was about to say, we've got we to <laughs> center field. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But no, yeah, Jordan Wicks is – that's the key thing. It's just, again, as I'm getting towards, like, uh, pushing towards the idea of, I got I to gotta fix this thing, guys. Hold on. Sorry. You're going to have to cut this. So we actually had to, you know, make a quick edit because the, the, the camera actually fell. Lance, did, back yes. to your point about Jordan <laughs> Wicks. <laughs> yeah, just summarizing it. I mean, again, just, like, really good at Kansas State, I think the mix adjustments for him make a lot of sense because they want him to be good at the major league level as opposed to just being a pitcher who's dominating South. And so that grip stem was a lot of fun. He's a super insightful guy. He's a guy that has like that coach speak in him already where I imagine post-playing career, hopefully it's a long one, he ends up being a coach in some capacity because he had a really good ability to communicate cues and stuff. Um, so I hope, hope young athletes and other pitchers too can pick up something from what he says. Yeah, and I remember, you know, in Cubs front office has said in the past, you know, they're not trying to win, you know, Midwest League titles or, or, or uh, you know, Southern uh, titles. They're trying to win yeah. World Series titles. Um, and that you, you see that when, when Jordan Wicks, it doesn't, you know, they don't want to see these guys shoving in, in the minors. They want to see them shoving in, in the majors. Um, yeah. I want to get, talk to some talk, talk some hitters. Ed Howard is, you know, very well-known prospect given his Chicago ties, given, you know, playing at Mount Carmel, getting drafted, the hometown kid. Um, but you've seen some slight changes uh, that he's – that maybe he hasn't noticed, right? So what, what can you tell us about, about Ed Howard? Yeah, it's funny because I, I saw him in BP and I thought that his front foot – like he used, to, he used to be a guy who gets his front foot down really early. So imagine like, like a huge leg kick from a hitter, which you obviously seen in some Cubs do and – and stuff like huge leg kick first, just like a quick tap. And then he's immediately down before like the pitchers even releasing the ball. Um, and I thought that he was up on that front foot longer, almost hovering a little bit with it to keep his weight a little bit back. There's a variety of hitting concepts around this. I can't really, I think, draw a conclusion off like whether he should be doing this or not without seeing the data that guys like Justin Stone, the director of hitting and others are seeing in the organization. Um, so I, it's tough from my angle because I thought it was different. And then he had a live AB today. And I didn't think it was too different. So I know I wrote that in the notebook and I'm going to stand by that because I actually thought Howard's response when I asked him this was a little bit like, oh yeah, you definitely picked up on something there. So 
maybe there is some slight adjustment. Maybe it's something that he's only doing in non-two strike counts. I think there's something there on the mechanic side too. And I wouldn't be surprised because like he's a, he's a great defender. And I think that the bat is the key thing that they still kind of want to come around a little bit, which is fine too. I think that it's okay to be realistic around the goals. He's a cold weather high school athlete. And those guys don't really develop particularly quick. Like it takes a little bit of time. He's really young. Like his body's filled out. He looks great. Um, it's, if it takes a year or two for him to figure out the offensive side of things, like, I think that's fine. That's right in normal trajectory of a high school. Like if he's 23, by the time he figures things out, like he's still probably ahead of schedule, so to speak. You right. know? You're not looking for the world up. Like, I think it's just kind of unrealistic to expect these guys. So uh, yeah, we'll see exactly what he looks like in game. I got to dig through maybe some old Myrtle footage we have of him and see if I was right on that first attempt to figure out if that foot was different. Um, I'll stand by it for now. And I'll obviously adjust later if I end up being wrong, but uh, it seemed to me like that was an adjustment he's made. I, I mean, it was, it's not all business, right, in Arizona. There is a little bit of fun, and you wrote about yeah. it on marquisportsnetwork.com. You know, there's some cheat days going on. There's some fun different kind of exercises. What can you tell us about about that and, and what, what that kind of experience is like for, for some of those guys? Yeah, no, the, the, again, that prospect camp they ran for four months seems like it was a huge time for guys to just build a camaraderie with each other. Um, and the pitchers specifically were starting to do some yoga. I think it was maybe pushed by the team a little bit. It was like a, probably a movement. Um, obviously like your thoracic spine, your just your spine is huge. And in, in being able to generate velocity and flexibility is so massive in pitching that I imagine yoga and stuff like that helps with it. So Cole Franklin actually mentioned to me that he thought that helped his body a ton this off season. I know Ryan Jensen is another guy who partook. Joe Nahas is another pitcher, like a ton of guys, a Cohen, Cohen Moreno. I think he's a 20, 23rd or fourth rounder i'm mixing that up probably but uh he's another guy who again like partook in this and they just kind of moved on to pilates which is a little bit more intense from what i understand i've never done pilates i don't really think i will ever do pilates but anyways uh <laughs> i think that yeah it's it's that camaraderie here is huge like i know a lot of guys golf together if anyone follows the guys on instagram whether it be brendan davis or like dj hers or cohen moreno like all these guys golf and that's been a big thing too of just keeping everybody bonding and stuff there's been a lot of team dinners and uh obviously food is huge especially with the strength and conditioning side you have to keep it grow. so uh yeah that's it's just been huge for them i think on that and the cheat days on the ice cream stuff is really funny i think caleb brought that up just impromptu impromptu i didn't even ask him about it he was just like yeah i like sometimes just crush ice cream at night because i have such a hard time putting a fat but i just see more calories that like adding 500 calories at the end of the day is like good for me so and then someone else brought it up i'm spacing on who it's in the notebook you gotta check that out um but it seems like ice cream is the way to go. Oh, Andy Weber's the other guy who brought it up, who's an infielder who we saw in the AFL, um, who's always had a little bit of a, a tough time holding his weight in season, which he's talked to me about. And it's been something that, like, the SNC coaches down here have been huge on trying to figure out for him. So it seems like he's, he's again, like another guy with Chase Trump, who's a UCLA second baseman who was in double-A with Brent Davis and such. Um, these guys apparently love ice cream. I mean, I love ice cream too, but I Who don't think I burn as many calories to justify it as these guys. So. <laughs> I should rephrase that. You know, one of my good friends is, is lactose intolerant. So uh, base but, is have, but, but yeah, you know, it's or the same all concept. The milk ice cream. Come on. There's, there's altered milk ice creams now for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the, exactly. There's, there's plenty of, plenty of alternatives and, and plenty of workarounds for, for getting the calorie fix. Uh, Lance, it's, it's been great. It's been great seeing what you're doing. As you wrap up your time, what are you? What are you know? Last few things you're you're looking forward to seeing before you uh, come back to the uh, tundra, of Chicago. Yeah, oh, man, I don't know. I'm looking to see, forward to seeing the sun. I think is the thing I'm looking forward to seeing. I'll stand in that cold before I leave. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, Wicks is throwing a live tomorrow, which would be Saturday, March fifth. I think so. 
we'll have some reporting on that. Hopefully we get some video of that. And then really want to see DJ Hurts' bullpen next Tuesday, which would probably be the 7th or the 8th. So um, I will probably be tweeting that on my Twitter account at LanceBROZ or Scotty. Scotty Shags are our, our main guy here. We'll probably also be tweeting some stuff out. So that's what I'm looking forward to really is, uh, is, is jumping on that stuff and, and making, pretending I'm down here, even though I'm not down here is what I'll say. Yeah. And I'll be taking your spot standing in the sun, soaking in the sun rays <laughs> as I relieve you here in Arizona, out there in Arizona here in the, in the coming days. I'm looking forward to that and, and, and you know, kind of helping in, in the coverage there. Absolutely. Who, who, are, who are some of the players you're, you're looking forward to talking to? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to some of the some of the younger guys that you know are newer in the Cubs system that, you know, maybe we haven't heard a lot of. Reginald Preciado, uh, Christian Hernandez, all these guys that, you know, have come up that are very, very highly touted. Uh, Hernandez has got a lot of comps, big name comps, whether it's, you know, yeah. A-Rod or, or guys like that. I'm looking forward to talking to them and, you know, kind of learning a little bit more about them, being able to, to for Cubs fans to learn more about them. Um, because we haven't seen a whole lot of them, especially here on U.S. soil. Um, so I'm looking forward to being able to talk to them and, and, and tell some of their stories so that, you know, not only us, but Cubs fans in, in general can, can learn more about them. I'm excited to see that content, man. It's good, great, great stuff. It's been, Lance, this has been fun. I'm looking forward to uh, taking your spot in the, in the sun. You can take my spot up here in the, in the chilly weather. Uh, it's, it's been fun, Lance. Thank you for joining us. And thank Absolutely. you guys for listening. Uh, this has been the Cubs Weekly Podcast brought to you by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and watch us in video on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. Thanks for listening.